Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome back. It's another edition of Hoops Adjacent on The Athletic MBA Show. I'm David Aldridge in D.C., where the Wizards made a big trade last week. We'll talk about that in a bit. In L.A., they made no trades, but LeBron is all salty about what Kyrie said about him. Was Lambre, what's up? What's up, man? <laughs> I watched the clip. He's um, very I'm upset. Just, you know, I follow Ali on Yeah, on he Twitter did the road tripping and- with our friend Ali Clifton, um, and he's very upset about what Kyrie said about him. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it because, you know, oftentimes athletes go the other way and be like, man, you know that shit ain't phased me, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. I don't give a damn. I'm Teflon, blah, blah, blah. That's true. That's true. I, yeah. I appreciate the vulnerability of like, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, that's true, Waz. We do we do say, you know, keep it real. And he kept it real. He said that that bothered right. him a little bit. Um. It's interesting that that bothered him from from Kyrie, but okay, you know, like okay. Um, and it was also interesting. I think this was during his presser yesterday, where he talked about how surprised he was that the Clippers, who talked so much shit, couldn't wind up in the conference finals. <laughs> you know, and that's his quote, not mine. Um, um, and he was he was surprised that they weren't there uh, at the conference finals because they were kind of expecting him. And, you know, Phil Handy had told us that, right, was that, um, you know, they thought they'd see the Clippers because the Clippers thought they would see the Lakers and were saying so all year. And um, that everybody was surprised at the end of the day that the Clippers couldn't couldn't make it happen. One of the great mysteries of our time, but maybe not because Jovan Buha's story last week kind of laid out how dysfunctional everything was out there last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a story ever since last season started. So it's basically been over a year now um, <laughs> since the start of last season where everybody kind of understood that the Clippers were probably the most talented team in the NBA. And they were at least co-favorites with the Lakers and Bucks, if not the outright favorite. I'd always say they were the outright favorite, but we, we've done that already. Yeah, but, right, right, um, right. It doesn't it doesn't surprise me that the pettiness is still lingering because again there was a lot of chatter about how strong the Clippers were and how the Lakers were regular season champs and when the playoffs mm-hmm. came Kawhi was going to destroy everybody and you know they didn't even get to they couldn't even beat the Nuggets so and so um it's it's understandable that at the first chance to take that little victory lap in the media, LeBron took it. I I, I could understand that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he got he's got the ring, so he gets to talk. Yeah, I understand that. I understand. You know where there's no dysfunction. There's never because it's team harmony. It's team. You know, everybody loves each other. The Warriors, the Dubs. <laughs> it's still it's still team harmony up up in up in the NorCal, and uh, we got two of of the best. People to, that cover the Warriors day in and day out with us this week. We got Anthony Slater. We got Marcus Thompson with us back on the show. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us again. Who said something about harmony? Like how we even know? It's all Zoom and a bunch of new players. <laughs> Slater, you sure? It's nothing it's but love up there, man. Y'all, they all love each other. 
Are we talking harmony within the beat writing or, or the reporting core there? Because I agree with that. But, you know, along I don't the know. Team, I got a problem with Ethan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll air all the dirty laundry during the next hour or so. Um, no, hold on. Hey, hold on. I, Before we move on, we yes. ain't going to talk about how Kyrie just kind of like tried to back out of it. For Kyrie to be Mr. I say and do what I want, he sure don't ever say and do what he want. Like Not he's supposed long. to be, you know, so he's like, oh, why, why I gotta be against my brother, dude? What did you think we was gonna say? Like, he, he that's why he's not talking. With- that's why he's not talking to the media. And again, once it it gets out, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, he didn't mean it was going to be the whole year. Well, he didn't say that, but okay, all right. So it's so he's not talking to the media for some period of time that we're not sure exactly how long that's going to be. So why did, why did he even have to like send out the statement either? Like Draymond Green hasn't talked to us because I mean, there's just reasons for that, but you know, <laughs> exactly. um, and, and there, there's plenty of stars who have not talked to this point and they can act like, Oh, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Right. Um, but he like sent out that he had, and he didn't even send it out. Right. He had like one of his spokespeople yeah. send it out. Yeah. That was and it was like this thing like, a, I, you know, I'm going to let my play do the talking this year, which kind of, infers that he's not going to talk this year, but whatever they say, came back and said, well, he didn't mean the whole year and we're working it out. And, you know, okay. You know, I look, if Kyrie wants to talk fine, if Kyrie doesn't want to talk fine, <laughs> you know, like, you I know, know, our whole industry might crumble. If Kyrie doesn't talk, what are we going to do? No, I mean, <laughs> look, I, look, you can make it, you can have a, you can have a reasonable discussion about, how the media misconstrues what people say and takes stuff out of context and twists people's words. And you know what? There's some truth to that. Okay. But you want to have a conversation about that. But the, the problem is you're not in an industry where you aren't allowed to, t- where you don't have to talk if you don't want to. It's in your contract. You have to talk, <laughs> you know, so if you and, don't and, talk, and you're supposed way, to get they- fined heavily for not talking. So there are times things get misconstrued, right? I can think of one off the top of my head because we just talked about the Clippers. Yeah. When they got eliminated, Paul George said, well, this wasn't a championship or bust season. And people were like, what? And mm-hmm. he he phrased it wrong, meaning like everybody had championship expectations of the Clippers and since they lost in the second round. Yeah. The season was a bust. I think how he took it was his last season in OKC, which meant – they got they flamed out embarrassingly in the playoff and the team blew up. So it went bust, right? Yeah. I think that's what Paul George was saying. Like, we're not blowing up this team. Everybody's coming back. We're gonna be stronger next year. Yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Right. But that was sort of misconstrued, right? right? right like right. you the the message he was trying to get out there uh was that the team's not being blown up and whatever. It got lost in translation, whatever. That's a misconstrued. Saying that the earth is flat, that's <laughs> Nobody got that wrong. No. If, Nobody if got that wrong. If your strategy is to to not make headlines, like you could do that by doing the interviews. You just be bland. Give right. cliches. Just be boring. You know, there's exactly. Yes, plenty of people. Andre Iguodala did an interview recently, I think it was with our Richard Deitch, and talked about like I tell young players, particularly at the finals, just don't make a headline. Yeah, just be go out there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um 
so, but how do you make a headline? You announce, you know, you do what he did, right? You send out and make it kind of obscure that you might or might not talk to the media all season. So I don't know. What's interesting, I mean, you guys let in talking about the LeBron uh, quotes. Uh, that's where a lot of these sound bites and bigger news items have been coming from lately. It, it's podcasts with former players, right? Sure. You got LeBron with the Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, uh, and then you had uh, Paul George going on, Matt Barnes and Stephen well, Jackson. Feels like they make smoke, a bunch right? of headlines. Yeah. 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 So, um, but is that the, the media Kyrie, though? Ain't that the media? Guess what? <laughs> You're right. Guess where Kyrie's uh, big, most controversial quote of the summer about not having a coach came from? Kevin Durant's podcast, his right. teammates' podcast. So it's, it, I don't think Zoom calls with us is like the big, you know, scary. That's your thing. fault, David Aldridge. That's you, that's you. That's your it's you doing me. that, me, Mr. It's media. <laughs> it's my fault. I am king of media, so it's my fault. Yes, absolutely. I take all. The, I take full responsibility for that. And I don't care. You know what? I don't care if they go on other players' podcasts or former players' podcasts. That's fine. They're, uh, if players want to control their message more and they feel comfortable talking to other players, you know, I don't. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they talked to us more. But I get that they're going to do that because that's just part of this empowerment era where guys are going to take control of their own message and they're going but, to go on friendly man, media that aren't going I, to ask can, him any can hard I rant questions. about this can i rant about mm-hmm. this uh go they, ahead can they can they stop acting like they never were part of the machine though can they just at least admit <laughs> that okay i'm going to opt out now that i don't need you because they've right. been riding the machine mm-hmm. the whole time like oh, are sure, you serious sure, sure. lebron was on the cover of sports illustrated at 16 years old the media <laughs> machine directly <laughs> created this dude you can't now mm-hmm. you can't like kyrie come on kyrie played 10 games at duke and he was right. hot like how is that because of the media so yeah. at least be like all right i understand like, I, I understand. I've been playing a game, but you know what? I kind of don't need you no more. At least, at least let us know at some point we was Angela Bassett, right? At some <laughs> point, you did the 25 years. We got you to this point and now you're ready to move on, right? But at least give us our wait to exhale moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we did do the previous part. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Let us burn up the car and walk away. But don't act like, oh, I never was part of this. Right. Do you know how many was, turkey drives we covered? Yeah. You know how many, yeah. like, you know how many brand launches? Like, can y'all cover? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't act like you never were part of the machine. We dude. all get, that, that's, we all that's know, shady. All of us who do this for a living understand that our, our utility to people um, expires when at the very moment we stop being their PR arm. You know what I mean? Like, Everybody wants that story that puts the player in the best possible light. But if there's any pushback, if there's any, well, but what about this? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? You know, that's when they say, oh, F the media. We don't need, I don't need you. I'm going to just go on Players Tribune and, say, and give you the real, give you the hundred, you know, and that's, you know. <laughs> you know. DA, you know what's so funny is that, um, <laughs> Like, you guys are are grizzled, right? Like, Mm -hmm. y'all been in it long enough to know and see every single angle. And there's certain things that I'm learning all the time. And this reminds me of back in, whenever it was that Yovan wrote the Clippers piece that got everybody's panties in a bunch over there. The first one, not the most recent one, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And um, so they were on a road trip. It was a long road trip when it came out. And when they finally came back, um, Pat Bev, I just remember specifically Patrick Beverly being pissed and him being pissed at other media members 
who don't even work. Not only do they not, <laughs> did they not write the story? They don't work at the athletic. Right, right, right. <laughs> and he said, he specifically said to other media guys, like, why didn't you tell us this was coming? <laughs> we got yeah. blindsided by this. You should have told us. But like literally the, as mm-hmm. if these other media members are part of the Clippers right. PR arm. Right. Like, I just think there's a lot of times there's a fundamental just misunderstanding of what media does or right. is, like, oh, what no, the that's... actual job entails. Right. And so I was just like, wait, Pat Bev wants the person from, say, SB Nation <laughs> to have given him a heads up about <laughs> Yovan's Clippers piece? Right. That's insane to me, but it happened. Oh, yeah. No, no, it happens you, all the time. You know who... You know who doesn't have a misunderstanding of that? Russell Westbrook. I remember one time. I remember one time I was in a, a Timberwolves locker room, and I'm talking to Durant at the time. He was on the Thunder, um, and me and Katie were having a back and forth about something. And Russ walked by, and he doesn't like talking, particularly from media members in his mm-hmm. pregame locker room. And he's like, you know, Kevin, why are you talking to him? Blah blah blah. And um, and then he turned and talked to Nick Gallo, who works for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said something back to him. I was like, you talking to Nick over there? And he's like, yeah, because we pay Nick. Because we give Nick his paycheck, and it was wow. like, and it was like, <laughs> it was like, well, at least he, at least he understands, he you understands know, that, he, right? He understands the dynamic of like you're a newspaper person, you work for the TV, you know, yeah. you you're part of our arm, you can be trusted. Yeah. Um. So I think some players do, but I agree, I agree with Watts. Like there are some players who like think you're because you're around, you're supposed to be like part of the team. Essentially, it's like. It's not how it works. No, and I, and and that look, that's that is. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. Um, you know, coaches that come in to a new situation that work that are hired by bad teams always want to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about what happens now. We're going to go forward, and you're like, no, no, we still got some stuff back here to clean up. <laughs> you know, that that needs to be addressed. Um, so yeah, it's it's always been that way. It's worse in college. That's why I'm I'm glad I never colored Kyler's for very long because I could not deal with I couldn't deal with Dabo Sweeney. I'm just gonna be point blank. I couldn't deal with him on a regular. If I had to if I had to depend on him for my livelihood, I would find something else to cover or someone else to cover. Cause I can't deal with people who who say things that, that are just insanely stupid on occasion. And hey, and then gets hey, and then don't want to discuss it and don't want to be challenged on it at all. You know, like it's crazy. David, you you want to know where I went to college and the first coach I ever covered in my journalistic career? Who was that? My my man. I'm forty. <laughs> You're saying that wow. about Dabo, and I'm like, oh, I, I might have a better example. Yeah, than yeah that. right, right, right. <laughs> oh man, you talk about saying some stuff. And uh, anyway, but yes, no, I'm 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 all with you on that. The other thing I'd say. Players, particularly, you know, to go back to the Kyrie thing, um, this is there's never been an easier season to avoid us than this one coming up. Absolutely, I mean, you can hop on a Zoom call every you know couple of days, but you don't got to see us in the arena. You don't have to see us in the locker room. You don't have to see us post practice. You don't have to you know leave your scrum and there's three people waiting to try to like get a side quote on or off the record. Um, so this is a th- this is a golden season for guys like Kyrie. He could come on, like I said, say some bland stuff on Zoom and never have to see any of us face to face. Yeah, I guess what gets on my nerves is just the lack of accountability. Like, just the the fact that, like, bro, you've said some dumb shit in public. Period. <laughs> like, period. Own it, bro. Like, go back and read some of the shit you said. And again, like, you you're not the only person in the NBA. Where are all these other guys whose messages are always 
constantly being misconstrued and misunderstood. Who are they? Show them to me. Show me the people that are being quote unquote targeted by media and all of that. It's just you. And at a certain point, you got to look in the mirror and say, maybe it is me. You know, when you break up with somebody, you say, it's not me, it's you, or it's not you, it's me. Like, <laughs> I think Kyrie needs to have that with himself. Like, yeah, it's not you, it's me. Well, I don't, I don't mind people being provocative for the sake of being provocative. Um, but, oh, you, but to your point, you got to own it. Like you can't say, well, I think the world is flat and then everybody crushes you and you go, well, I was just trying to make a point about, you know, free speech and free will and how we have to question everything. We can't take anything for granted. It's like, no, dude. I mean, like, like you can say, let's have a discussion about how people take, accept things as fact and you never question anything. For example, (laughs) everybody thinks the world is round because... We've been told that since we were children, we believe that. Okay, now you want to have a discussion about that? Fine. But you just come out and say, I think the world is flat. What do you think people are going to say? Do you think everybody is going to have this nuanced, subtle understanding of, well, he's just trying to make a larger point about the <laughs> about the nature of, of American education and how we have to question authority. Nope. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you know, like – you, you said it. You got to you got to understand that that's going to bring a certain amount of scrutiny and be prepared to discuss that scrutiny and, and say, I understand why people said that. Here's the larger point I was trying to make. And it's OK if you all crush me. I don't believe the world is flat. I know the world is round. I was trying to make a larger point. But he didn't do that. Of course, he said, well, you guys, you misquoted me. You didn't know what I was talking about. You're not smart enough to understand the bigger point I'm making was the inference. And so that's that was the issue I had there. And he's teamed up with and joined forces and, you know, they've combined like Captain Planet (laughs) to be, you know, two (laughs) of the most aggrieved superstars that you could find anywhere in sports. And KD, a dude who I personally watched, basically get pissed at Chris Haynes after a win in which he dropped 45 or something crazy like that. Chris Haynes asked him just the most basic question. I don't even remember. It was basic. Nobody had any reason to think that something contentious was going to happen. And KD snapped at this dude. So, you know, those two dudes combining forces in a situation in Brooklyn that I don't think is going to be, like, ideal. It's going to be fun. I remember we don't have that. to deal with none yeah. of that with the Warriors, man. It's just perfection in the back. Exactly. Yeah. That's kumbaya. I remember that was that was because KD was beefing it uh, with Kerr at the time, and he was like getting mad at Chris or at Kerr through Chris almost. That was that was when they were yep. like kind of juggling, you know, that, what was the that offense all about, should be about in that Clippers series. shot selection and where he's shooting the ball from. Yeah, and, that, so if, and and if, and I thought we played with with joy. Yeah, if, if you want the full context, this would that was the end of the third Durant season, and he was out at some point for a little bit, but then he came back and he started. And this was, I mean, it was the end of the Durant era if we really talk about. But um, he started just sitting in the corner, basically being like, "I'm going to play like Harrison Barnes." Um, taking five shots a game. Yeah, he was. He was. If you look at his game log down the stretch of the regular season, it was like six shots, four shots, eight shots, and it was like they were behind the scenes, like, "What is going on?" And then they go and go one-one with the Clippers in round one, and that's when Durant has that legendary b- between games um, scrum where he's like, "You know who I am? I'm Kevin Durant." Uh, right. And, and then 
Kerr, because Kerr came out and was like, we need him to, we need him to be more aggressive. He can't let Beverly get under his skin. Then he goes out, scores 50. And then Chris asked him post game, were you more aggressive? You know, which was kind of what Kerr was telling him to be. And yeah. that's when he, he snapped at Chris, but you could tell it was more about, you know, he wanted Kerr to hear what he was saying. That That's the weird, that's how we're used sometimes. Yes. <laughs> which is okay. Cause we use them. That at certain and so okay. No if they want to make a point through us. You, I can be used. Yell at me in a press conference. Yes, yes, you know, yes. Use me. Give us Go good ahead. content. Absolutely. Use me. Yeah, I Absolutely. don't. I never mind it being yelled at. I don't know. I think you have to be a certain type of. Not you know, you just have to be able to take it. I guess I don't know. It's weird, but that's you okay. know what I like the least is the Andre Iguodala strategy that he was telling young players: be bland. I don't want bland press conferences. Right. I don't want bland quotes. Right? You know, right. I'm not trying to, and I. I, I probably speak for all of us here i'm not trying to mix myself up into the story i don't want to be part of it but if you want to sternly you know get deliver a, a very interesting quote and it seems like it's directed at me um but i can use it in my story and it's like it makes all of our content more interesting yeah that's fine that's better than we we played our hardest everybody loves everybody <laughs> you know both sides played hard <laughs> yeah there you go Although that was a pretty good press conference itself. That was very good. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is. On the Athletic Podcast Network. Turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs. It's like the most in his bracadocia. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he yes. got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in so the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Welcome to Hoops. Five, four, we have ignition. Hello, Brooklyn. 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 Hello, So let's talk about your dubs, gentlemen. Um, I saw, I saw, um... Steph's quotes and I saw Marcus's story about how Steph may want to play till he's 40 and, you know, wants to maybe wants to be a warrior for life. Um, and I just wonder, as you in the context of this potential extension that he could sign, how does he sign an extension that makes the union happy in terms of a star player getting his market value? but also gives the Warriors some chance to build around him in the future, as they, I think, quite clearly are going to have to do. Again, it's not that I don't think Clay will be back. I think he will be. But I just wonder what level of Clay Thompson you're going to get back um, when he comes back next season. I was going to say, go ahead, Marcus. But um, (laughs) so so, um, you know, the question is how they're going to build around. Steph, uh, their their books are so slammed right now. Like the funny thing about Steph, you know, and I, there were some Warriors people yesterday, you know, trying to read between the lines of his comments. Like, is he maybe going to take a little pay cut? You know, do a little Tim Duncan so they can, you know, slide in an extra guy here or there. It's like it wouldn't matter if he took a pay cut because you got Wiggins on a max, you got Clay on a mega max, you got you know Draymond's walking into a four year hundred million dollar extension. Right. Ubre's now you have Ubre's. To me, their their long term move is not only you get Ubre this year on the fourteen million, but now you have his bird rights and you can you you know, let's say him, he sure. has a great season. You go twenty million a year for Ubre. Yeah, um, right. But you, I mean, you think the tax bill's high this year? Add more Kelly Oubre. Add a rising James Wiseman contract. Take all the maxes, and they're all going up year over year over year. Um, so, to me, as long as Joe Willings 
Joe Lacob's willing to keep foot in the bill. Steph, just sign your max. And, you know, I again, I, I, I think there's ways to rearrange around the edges. They have assets to add to a Wiggins contract. We're talking about Wiseman now, the Wolves 2021 pick. They are going to be rooting harder for Wolves losses this year, maybe then for their own wins. Right. Um, and, you know, that's how... That's how you you know you get maybe a Bradley Beal if he becomes available come trade deadline time. So there are there are big ships to go after, but like small little marginal stuff like that's almost out the window with how many contracts are just loaded up on their books. I think the only thing he can probably save is just tax money. Like uh, Kevin Durant did this right. where they were struggling. They you know they were trying to decide if they would. Bring back Livingston and Iguodala. Remember that's later, and, and KD goes to him and be like, "Yo, what, what if I take twenty five? Will that help?" And they're able yeah. to, and he's like, "Yeah," and they're able to re-sign Iguodala and Livingston. I think that's what Steph is gonna do. Like, like Joe Laker, what's your absolute back? Like, what's your pain threshold? Like, let's get to there because that's really all we're talking about. Unless somehow magically they get under the cap in the next two years, which it's just, I don't see that happen unless they just give up on life. But the only thing we're talking about is how much luxury tax could Joe Lake up stomach before he's like, all right, enough is enough. And what's that number? That's right. That's before there. I think that's where Steph can find his sweet spot. He can do what Kevin Durant says. And if they, if they come back, you know, uh, David Kelly, their cap guru says, Hey, Steph, if you only took this amount, that lowers the, the luxury tax by this amount. And, you know, Joe can live with that. And that's where Steph has to decide, yeah, do I want to do that or do I want to run up the scores? But I don't know how he saves money by taking less. But there's a part of Steph, though, that really is like, eh, should I be making $60 million? <laughs> I think I think there's a part of Steph that, that might just think like that, like, I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to break the bank, even though in my book he deserves all of it. He's underpaid before. Players never actually get their their full value, but I can see Steph thinking it's a very reasonable move for him to say, "I'll be 36, 37." You know, I, I'm okay with being being reasonable about this instead of trying to. Oh, break only the bank. 42 million this year. No, I'm not fair. Uh, no, right. <laughs> The numbers uh, get so crazy much. though. They get crazy if he's not extensions. And he's gonna be declining. So my, like, my question to you guys is how comfortable are the Warriors uh management with being, you know, basically the Blazers as far as how good they could be, you know, year in and year out under the financial constraints that they're present presently under. And paying a crazy amount of money, right? Like, I don't feel like they have the pieces to be a top-end championship-caliber team. Like, even if you love, I mean, people who are most enthusiastic about Oubre and Wiggins or even a Draymond, you don't look at the surrounding pieces and think, all right, this is a top-end, talented championship team. Like, I think they could win, be on a 49-win pace, sure, right? Like, if Steph is healthy the whole season and... Guys are giving it their full effort, but I don't see them as a top-tier sort of team. But is that good enough when it comes to 
the the crazy payroll and the bill that comes with this new stadium and being in San Francisco and all of that stuff. Well, I uh, think Joe Laker made the statement that yes, it was when he said, "Yeah, sure, Kelly, Rick, come make us a five seed, come make us a four seed, and we'll you, pay you this you. ridiculous amount." I think part of that is the context of last season. He does not want two straight irrelevant seasons. And those seasons being the first two in Chase Center, um, you know, and, and Chase Center looms over all this. They need to get that fill back up. They need Beyonce concerts and Democratic Republican convention or uh, conventions right. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they need to start making money off that thing. But once I thought they you do, breaking like, news right there, Republican convention yeah. to Chase Center. Let's no, go. No, 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 no. <laughs> I meant D- I meant DSC. My bad. Um, but like, I think he's. He just wants to be uh, – like when they weren't even in the bubble because they were one of the worst eight teams and they were actually the worst of those uh, eight deleted teams, like that's a problem for him. He needs to be in the conversation. That brand, he needs that brand in the conversation. And this year, by making the Ubre move, they've at least put the – like I don't know. I'm kind of interested on the first 10 games. How are they going to look? How does the Ubre move fit? Um, so I think he wants that. And then the other thing under all of this is because they were so bad last year, they got the second overall pick. James Wiseman could become a star. Um, they have that Wolves pick in a loaded draft. If that becomes the fifth pick, that could be their next wave to move them past this whole stale aging blazer right. situation that you're talking about. What if they get two future stars to like layer under these guys? That's their hope at this point, at least. Yeah, it's, was, a, it's a bridge. Period. Right. It's like, uh, yeah. Can they sp- like? It, can he's like, yo, if I spend this much for this three year period, like to get us to the next wave, and they, and I'm I'm pretty sure they think at some point they'll be able to flip a package and get another superstar. Like that's definitely they're not ruling that out, right? They're they're definitely thinking they're in play for that, especially if if guys play well. But also, you know, the expectation is that whenever fans could be in the game. Chase Center will be a cash cow. It was a cash cow. It will be a cash cow. So the tax bill don't look as like it just doesn't look as imposing to the Warriors as it would ordinarily or as it does on paper because they just they just stand to make so much money. So he really is like he really is in a convertible with Jay-Z and <laughs> Jermaine Dupree, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Screaming money ain't a thing because that's how Joe Legab is. So if they get fans in the seats, he'll pay he'll pay 140 to make 500. Like that's just, right. he'll be fine with that, especially if it's just a bridge to the next wave because they're, there's no way. I mean, if you know the words, you know they're plotting on who the next star they're getting. Like that's, well, that's, that's who they are. We have seen, I was going to say, look, we have seen, the, this is not a team that builds patiently through the draft, at least not under Joe Lacob. Um, you know, they have, they have identified guys that they were going to target, KD, Giannis, you know, I, I, I suppose Beal is always on their radar. Um, so I wanted to ask you all about Harton. Now, I Hollinger and I wrote this piece a couple of weeks ago, and it was Hollinger's point, and I actually agree with it, that if you don't think Clay Thompson is going to be Clay Thompson anymore, I mean, don't you have to think about offering a whole bunch of stuff, including Clay Thompson to Houston for James Harden? I mean, and, and now you've got Harden and Steph and you've got Wiseman. And you've and you Draymond presumably still, and you figure out how it all works later. That's Steve's job to figure out how to make it all work. But you need to have superstars to have a chance to get out yeah. of the West. And and whatever you think of James Harden, he's a superstar. Now, can he play that way? The Warriors play? I don't know. 
I have no idea. Um, but I'm just saying, is it is it ridiculous to even bring that up as a possibility? Well, well, you 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 mentioned a, an important name within your question of, of of Wiseman still being on the Warriors in this situation. Um, if that's the case, if it's a clay, if it's a clay for Harden contract swap, it's got to be mean, the picks. Got to they have to give the Minnesota pick. I would think the, the I Minnesota mean, pick. I I think that's reasonable because at least you're keeping you're not you know throwing Wiseman into it too and and you know we mentioned this bridge to a new era well you're burning the bridge to get james harden for for a couple of years um but a 31 year old james harden right yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying i'm not saying i'm right i'm just saying is it is, is it ridiculous to even bring up deposit to question is what i'm saying well i mean he if it was like i said you would break the hearts of the warriors fans with a clay for harden swap but from a basketball perspective of course like Clay Thompson's now the worst contract on their books. I mean, he just is. It's it's, it's sad to say, um, but Andrew Wiggins at 25 and healthy and playing this year, and even Draymond Green four years 100 million, but he's healthy. He's not coming off ACL behind a, an Achilles. Um, you know, Clay Thompson's going to be making 40 something million. Like he becomes a little bit like a John Wall contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's it sounds crazy to say because the last time we saw Clay Thompson, he was like the best player in a game six of an NBA Finals, but. Yes, I mean reality's reality. Again, you would you would break some hearts, but if if we're just talking pretty much Clay for Harden, you throw in one pick, you'd at least enter, you've got to at least entertain that conversation. But if I'm Houston, I'm like, no thanks. Like, let's go try to get Ben Simmons. Let's go try to get Michael Porter some way, or you know, not Clay Thompson because Clay Thompson comes on your books, and then you got John Wall and Clay Thompson. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point too. Yes, Houston may not want to do that. You're right. You're right. It takes I think two the to 31 take. Right. is a deal breaker. The fact that he's yeah. 31, like you'd be, you'd be basically sacrificing the youth that you have for a yeah. hope to win a title now with a dude who you've proven, like your your team has actually proven he ain't about that life. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, right, so right. <laughs> you'd be like kind of hoping. Like they'd go, they'd be having to go against everything they believe in about basketball, especially Steve Kerr. Like I would love Slater, I'm sure you would, to watch James Harden being coached by Steve Kerr. I would love it. It would be, it would be incredible theater. Uh. Steve Kerr, <laughs> Steve Kerr, who has openly like mocked Harden style, like in press. You remember when at one time he was walking up to reporters during a Rockets Warrior series and he was like arm hooking them and flopping on the reporters <laughs> at the did. time. <laughs> I mean, was he really doing that? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he literally did. And Killian. He arm hooked (laughs) Ann Killian from the San Francisco Chronicle and (laughs) flopped on her and then looked at Ann Killian and said, foul on you. (laughs) That's outstanding. Yeah, he he just, he can't. Kerr's an interesting dude because there's just some things he cannot stomach. Like he 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 can put up with some stuff. He can put up with centers who don't catch the ball, right? He can put up with dudes missing open shots. He just can't stomach dudes who dribble too much, right? He can't stomach traveling, like like just well, James Harden represents a lot of the things about basketball that just drives him nuts. And he would be well, as great as he is, as talented as he is, it would be like the Warriors saying either a all the stuff that made us the Warriors like. Forget about that. James Harden is that good, or B, they'd be banking on a thirty-one-year-old to change his game at the top of his yeah. game. So it's just if he was twenty, if he was twenty-seven, twenty-eight, maybe. But he's just—he's the same as as Stephen and Clay and, and Draymond. Like he got the same window of he's right. on his way out. I I would say and the exact. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, and I think what complicates it too is one what Marcus mentioned is that the Warriors kind of kicked his ass up and down the court. 
<laughs> how many times now, and he's fallen short. And, you know, in the context of the present situation, where, let's face it, the guy's been documented at rappers' birthday parties in Vegas, and um, right, he has a reputation for right. somebody was the who rapper's likes the birthday party. party in Vegas or Atlanta? I can't remember. I can't keep these straight. It was in, it's in Vegas. I think it was both. Little baby was, was in parties. Atlanta, right? Yeah. Little yeah. Baby well, no, in and then it was in Vegas. Too. No, he yeah, did one in Atlanta, so, one in Atlanta, and one in Vegas. I just couldn't remember which yes. one was which. Yeah. Two. <laughs> he did two joints, and you know everybody understands that NBA players go out and socialize, but even within that context, James Harden is seen as somebody who goes out a lot. And if I'm hearing that. And I don't know shit. <laughs> NBA teams are hearing that, right? Like NBA people who would be trading for this guy are hearing that and understand that. So I think that's complicating it too. It's like, man, like maybe there's a reason he's constantly burning out in the playoffs and flaming out, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. Maybe this stuff is connected. Um, who knows? All right. But, get, and I don't think I'm betraying any secrets to say that like that's the dude's reputation. Right? I got a question for you guys. Um, let's say, let's, I mean, in this hypothetical world, that's not going to happen, but let's say James Harden gets traded for Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, and the Wolves 2021 pick. So the Warriors mortgage the future to get Harden on the team. Now, do they Warriors win a title in the next two to three years? Because you are, you really are mortgage in the mid 2020s for the next two to three years. Do they win a title? Does it work? Uh, Hypothetically, I think it works. I think it could. Sure. I think it could. I mean, if, assuming Steph, I mean Steph is going to be Steph again, and I, there's no reason to think he's not going to be right. He's going to go back most to being on Steph. Draymond, being Draymond, something right, at least like right. 85%. Well, that, right. Um, now the, the 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 question, I mean, the the issue is, I think people started to figure out the death lineup. I'm not saying they solved it and it wasn't effective anymore. But even even before they got rid of Iguodala, it was not the crushing lineup that it had been, right? I mean, am Everybody I wrong about that? Everybody else got their own. Everybody else got their yeah. own death lineup. Yeah, yeah. So they had kind of. Yeah, and and I think the guys have become less deadly, right? Like Iggy is just, you know, um, at one point he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire sport, if not the best. And of course, he's adding playmaking. He's adding all of this, like savvy, intangible stuff, and not just the stuff that he just does on the court. Draymond's diminishing. Uh, he's shown some diminishing phys- physically. Uh, it, like, the pieces that made that thing tick sort of got a little bit worse. And no more Livingston. Livingston being really gone too hurts. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, Durant was, you know, the supercharged version because he was seven-footer, could block shots and guard mm, right, you know, right, on right. the perimeter. Uh, and then, you know, part of the death lineup was Clay Thompson being your bulldog guarding the Damian Lillards of the world. You know, he's he's going to just chase guys around. And that's – that Clay Thompson most likely doesn't exist. And if we're talking about a Clay for, for Harden switch, the – Part of the death lineups that mattered was everyone played really high level defense, switching defense. Uh, I don't know if James yeah, guard, everybody. Fits yeah, that. <laughs> that's yeah. where I don't know yeah. they win a title. Right. So, that's what it comes down to. Right, right. I, I think I don't know this for sure, but I think if they decide, if you know, let's let's take Harden off the table for example for a minute. If they if they did want Bradley Beal, I'm almost certain Washington would demand you know at minimum Wiseman the pick. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if it would be Clay Thompson or not. It probably wouldn't be now that you have Westbrook, but, um, but you would have to give up at least the Minnesota pick and Wiseman. And is that something that Golden State would do? 
I think that's far more likely. I mean, like Bill's twenty seven, so yeah, yes. the age that, that's yes. that's everything. You know, that that's an extra four years. What they need is somebody for whenever Steph shows these, you know, sizable diminishments in his game, and it's clear he's not the number one. They need him to become the number two, and somebody else who could be the number one. And if you believe Bradley Bill's that dude, you can get that for at least three to four more years. I think right. that matters. That, that changes everything from their perspective. Uh, I don't know that they give up all that. I think it'd probably be they need Wiggins to ball out, and and it, it could be Wiggins <laughs> and one of those picks. You know, <laughs> I don't know if they give up the farm for Bradley Bill because I just don't even know. They they just don't. They, they, they like, you got to play defense for the Warriors. Like you got to be to, to make that kind of money. They don't pay that those dudes unless like you really play defense. Right. And that's, they're not going, they're not going out to get a free agent. Who's just not going to be an impact on defense. That's just not how they do things. So mm-hmm. if they, I don't know if they see him as that way, but well, he, no I'll question. He's built. Bill was not good defensively, but I think he's a better defensive player than he was last year. I just think he kind of. I, I, if I'm Bill, I'm like, dude, you want me to play defense on this team? Why, why would I do that? Like, exactly. Give exactly. me a reason to so play I don't defense. Think he's and I'll as play bad defense. as he played defensively <laughs> last year. I think he's better than that. I've seen him be better than that for long stretches, where at least he stays in front of guys and he contests shots and things like that. He's but he never is been a lockdown though, right? dude. But he is six, uh, you know what's a problem. Yeah. You you know what's interesting about the Warriors assets though. Um, you know, I don't think any star is going to be available to at least around the trade deadline. So we're ta- you know, if a Beal does become available, it's going to be after the the Wizards don't work this year. So uh, which star, about- sir? Which stars are you, are you thinking? Wh- who comes to mind? Ben Simmons, I mean Giannis is obviously the the, the pipe dream, but I don't see that for the Warriors. Uh, right. Let's say I've let's say Giannis depth, stays though. in Milwaukee, you know, at least for the next couple of years. Um, that's been kind of the under underlying plan, right? We're going to go get Giannis then. We'll just go get Giannis because that's what we do. We go get the next that's, great player. To me, that's been more of the fan base's plan than the okay. actual front office's plan. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Sure, the front office is like, you know, if that a- and is a worst plus minus plan, right? And a worst. Yeah, well, I've had to shoot that down on the podcast many times because I think it's not happening. But uh, my, mm-hmm. my point about the assets, though, is like these next few months are very important for their trade package. James, like, you know how it works with rookies. Like, once you get 25 games in, like, you're, you know, your stock either goes. M- a lot further up or down, you know, if, if Wiseman struggles out of the gate, it's like, uh, you know, he's, he's less appealing. If he's, you know, 15 and 10 right away and he's crushing lobs and, you know, blocking a bunch of shots, then like, you know, just him might get it done. And then the other asset, what if the wolves are the, you know, 15th best team in the league? And it looks like a, you know, late lottery or even not lottery pick, you know, if they surprise, that's not that nearly as good an asset. Now, if the wolves are terrible, like this, that's you might not even have to add Wiseman because you can go look. This is the Cade Cunningham wings everywhere draft. Like you might have a the fourth overall pick in this draft. So like they're by the time they might be trading for these stars, we're gonna know a lot more about the assets that they might be giving away. So so yeah, it sounds it sounds like it's forty eight wins. <laughs> for, for forty eight in a seventy two. Forty eight would be incredible. Yeah. Forty eight would be great. No, 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 no. Forty eight in a eighty two game season. So you're talking about like forty forty two wins in a seventy two game season. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I don't know, and I think that's what people underrate too. I think even if 
Clay would have been here this year. I think people underrated what Bogut was doing for them, right? Like as far as rim protection and playmaking and all of this stuff and, you know, the level that Iguodala and Livingston played at. And even though, you know, we laugh at Harrison Barnes's two contracts since leaving Golden State, like he was giving them something. I think the ancillary parts were so good. People underrate how good these people were um, when the Warriors were winning, you know, 66 and, and 73 games or what have you, right? I just think even last year, there were people like, well, the Warriors, they got D'Angelo Russell. I'm like, D'Angelo Russell? Like, what? This team would be lucky to win 40 games, right? And Steph goes down, and it was just it was just a complete and utter disaster. Uh, I don't know how they – because of the, the ornery nature of these contracts, man, I, I, don't, I don't know how they get off of this um, in the way that they are. Maybe Wiseman becomes, you know, the next Tim Duncan, and I'll sound like an idiot, but I just don't see it for them. Uh, it, I mean, also, his, they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be that good this year. Too. Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> there is a lot. Of, I have a lot of questions. I mean, like you gotta to, lower your bar, Waz. Fifteen to fifty is the bar. Like that's the bar. Yeah, fifteen to fifty is the bar. Uh, <laughs> Can they clear that? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. There's a lot of tech part. I mean, like, what's Draymond gonna be? If if you could answer that question for me, I. I I would have a lot better feel for how good they're going to be. It, it, did Draymond just take last year off because they were terrible? Or it, is this the start of a pretty rapid decline for a guy whose body's breaking down a little bit? He's now a six foot five undersized big who shoots below 30% from three. You know, like what is he this year? Does Steph Curry, to me, the biggest swing factor of the season might be how many games does Steph Curry play? You know, if Steph Curry plays 66 of 72, I think they're frisky, but if Steph Curry misses 25, like what are they going to go in the 25 games that Steph Curry doesn't play? Um, Wiseman, obviously. like There's no way to really have a firm opinion on James Wiseman because nobody's really seen James Wiseman. Like He might be awesome right away. He might be such a project that he's not even really a helpful rotation player for a year or two. So, like, I just, you know... I, I would need answers to those questions before I can like pump out a, a, a confident win total for them. I guess, I guess I'd be curious about what, what is, you know, what is acceptable in terms of, you know, kind of placement in the NBA firmament for the Warriors in the next four to six years. I mean, you know, I know there's kind of the, the outsize we're always trying to win championships and no, and light years and all that stuff. But realistically, you know, to to Waz's point, I think to the point you guys are making, with an aging staff, and he's still going to be a dynamic, really, really good player. Um, but are they now where, frankly, you know, 75 to 80 percent of the NBA is now, which is I sure hope we stay healthy enough and we have a great enough season that maybe we get to the second round. You know, that's really where most NBA teams franchises are. Yeah. Our second round aspirations. Let's try to get to the second round of the playoffs and see what happens in the seven game series. There's very few teams that every year are like, we're locked in. The only thing that matters is a championship. We, that's our only goal. We don't have anything else in mind. Eh, that's just that no, most of that's BS. And most teams aren't thinking that at all. Most teams are just thinking, Hey, it'd be nice to win around in the playoffs. 
That's where, so, and I wonder if that, yeah. to your point, in a two billion dollar arena, if that's acceptable for this franchise. Well, I mean, Joe Lacob's expectations are always, you know, three notches higher than about everybody else's. Um, so he's probably sitting there thinking, like, why not the title this year? Um, His second but, round is the West Finals, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, um, right. But I would go back, like, I remember. So they lost to the Raptors in the finals, um, which you would think would be like such a massive disappointment. And it was the night Clay tore his ACL, and like you could really feel the dynasty ending. But I've never really seen a lot of the main major players happier than that night post game six when they felt like they like laid it all out. Yeah, you know, everything kind of crumbled underneath them. But I remember Steve Kerr talking about like coaches across the league are texting me and saying how much fight we showed and like how awesome that was. I think that's generally what they want to be. They want to be in the yearly conversation you know, into the middle part of the playoffs at least. And then even if they lose, let's say they lose to the Lakers this year in the second round, they want to make it tough on the Lakers. They want the Lakers coming out of that series. Like, Oh man, like they, you know, that, that game four where Steph scored 37 and then like the the way Draymond was flying around and like they took us to six and, you know, it was getting really dicey and we really had to, you know, kind of like what the heat did this year. Now the heat took it all the way to the finals, but I mean that heat series against the Lakers by the end, the Lakers respected the heat. I just think the Warriors want to be a, brand known as they're going to be in the playoffs every year they're going to be a really tough out spurs like in a sense they always reference the fact that the spurs never won back to back but we viewed the entirety of the spurs 20-year run as such a success even though there was plenty of second round outs within there they just want to be that i think Plus, this is like going back to the roots, you know what I'm saying? This is like when Waz goes back home, you know, every now and again and hit his whole bodega up. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes you got to go back to where you were. It's back to 2014 for the Warriors. 2013, you know, it's like we got to beat the Clippers. We got to figure out how to get over the Clippers hump. There's a little bit of uh, nostalgia in that, right? Like like they got to grind their way back up to the top. So uh, this whole five-year run was in the grand scheme of the Golden State Warriors existence was was very uh, uh abnormal so i think they're okay with this idea especially steph who remembers like how it used to be right there's a lot of people who don't remember how it used to be but steph remembers like this is this was our speed uh not the, the underdog the 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 sexy up-and-coming team the team that will surprise you that nobody believes in right like they they can ride that for a little bit till they till they go and get a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Was even Mr. LA even makes it home every now and again. You know, get a little Peter Bread. No, they they definitely they're definitely gonna be <laughs> they're going back to their roots for sure. Twenty two dollar lobster rolls. All the way to the roots lobster. where you know people smoking blunts and Oracle. <laughs> but I think they and Chase. Are you serious? No, it's all it's all uh, electronic. It's all. Exactly. <laughs> it's all vapes, baby. It's all vapes and chase. They don't love. I remember. I remember the last time I actually did think of the Warriors as an underdog. I remember it vividly, and I don't know if y'all remember. I think it was 2014. Remember when they they played the Spurs and they won Game One on the road, and oh, they yeah, were about to win Game Two. 2013. Yeah. 2013, they, they were about to win game, game one. two, and, and Manu hit some insane shot to win no, game two for, no, that for was the game Spurs. One. That was game one. They were down. The Warriors were up 18 in the fourth quarter. 
and lost. And Manu hit the game to tie it. He sent it to overtime with a three. Some insane shot, right? On a blown, yeah, on a blown Jared Jack assignment. Hit Steph went off that game too. Steph was cooking Tony Parker, right? Like hitting crazy that was, stuff. And, that and he was the. It. I remember sitting there because I was doing that game for Turner, doing that series for Turner. And I was thinking. Damn, the Warriors, they could beat the Spurs. They're like, they're like just as good as the Spurs. And it was the first like revelation in my mind. Like, man, they're, they're actually pretty good. I didn't realize how good they were, you know, like, and that's the last time I thought of them as underdogs was that you didn't season. Think of, you didn't think of them against the Clippers that the Donald Sterling series? You thought they would beat that? You thought they would beat the Clippers I thought, in that series? I didn't even, but see, I didn't even think of the Clippers in, in that, in that realm. Of like being a championship level contending team, you know what I mean. So it was that was it, so that's how long ago that was, right? Where the Clippers right. were all at back then. Like, right, was, right, right. where but were I you? Was yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Um, I, I mean, I, I I didn't really understand the the but the see, and I don't want to disrespect Mark Jackson, but it's not like it was obvious the type of team they could be. It was it was cool to see Steph sort of become the actualized version of the dude that we saw at Davidson, right? Who was taking crazy shots and scaring the hell out of defenses. Like, you started to see that and understand, like, wow, this dude is kind of, he could be unstoppable at times. But I definitely didn't look at the Warriors as some, like, world beaters at but all. You and saw, I definitely, but, like, but you were on Clay a Clippers Thompson, train, though, instance, right? You were on a Clippers train, right? You were probably, like Chris Paul, yeah, 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 yeah. Blake I, I was a, um... I was a Blake Griffin guy because people on the internet would always say he was unskilled and he didn't work on his game. And I, I, it's, it's this other thing was like the, the wise Cape all-stars, like Barry Bonds, <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Like if people dump on you in the media and in public, I tend to like gravitate towards you. And Blake Griffin was one of those people on the internet for a long right. time. So I did like the Clippers just for that reason, people will say, oh, all he does is dunk. He doesn't. I'm like, what? You don't watch him. Look at his handle. Look at his playmaking. The jump shot gets better every single season. So I was on the Clippers for that reason only. Yeah, I didn't have the Clippers as like lock cinch NBA title Clippers. You know, I thought they were good. I'm not saying I didn't think they were good. And I probably had them favored in that series. But I did not go into that series thinking, Clippers in four, you know what I mean? Like I didn't think that. I thought it was going to be a, a fun, entertaining series. Um, they were definitely the big brother back turn- then. They were the Warriors' big brother back then. Oh they yeah, were the yeah. Bar. yes, yes, for sure, yeah, for I sure. Remember that that was so long that's ago. Just crazy <laughs> to think, man. That's that's like that, like and, and you know, what's so funny. Like my conception of the the Clippers Warriors series is. I think this game was like either 2015 or 2016. The Clippers were up by like. Something ridiculous like on the national TV I know games. what game you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was yeah. something crazy. That was and the following year the after Clippers, they won a championship. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I remember thinking the Clippers are going to lose this game. Like, they're going to lose. And lo and behold, they lost it. They choked it. Like, <laughs> that's that's my conception of that series. It's funny that Marcus thinks of it the other way, like Clippers with a bar. <laughs> that they were trying to achieve that, which is insane to think about. Well, let's let's get out on this. I mean, what what what's the bar baseline? I mean, wh- what do you, what do you guys think this Clippers or this this Warriors team is going to be this year? Because I actually think they got a little a little upside play. Because I think Uber is actually going to help them a lot. I think Kelly is a guy 
The thing that that I like about Kelly, and I think they're going to like about Kelly, is that he really does not have any fear of anybody. Well, you guys saw he sucker punched Clay in the fight, you know. But I've seen him scrap with Kelly Olynyk. He scrapped with the Jazz. He scraps with everybody. So he's that kind of irritating guy. But I think he's got a little bit more game than people realize. I think he can help them. I really do. And I don't know what Wiggins is going to do with them this year with a full season. But I think they could be a little better than people think this year. I wonder what you guys think. Well, first of all, I was going to pick the Clippers to win the title during that last segment because I think that's <laughs> going to be my choice this year. <laughs> I, I think people are sleeping on them. I love the Ibaka signing. But uh, anyway, Warriors. Yeah, again, I kind of mentioned earlier all the like major what-ifs surrounding them. And if I had those answers, I would know better. But I do think ceiling-wise, I could see them – to me, they could fight their way with the healthy Steph and, and some of these questions being answered positively for them, fighting their, their way into that meat right under the, the L.A. teams. Like, I'm not sure on Denver, really. Like, you know, right. I think the Grant loss hurts. I think Jamal Murray is, you know, do we all think he's going to be Steph Curry 2016 again like he was in the bubble? I, maybe if he is, then they're they're not in Denver's range. But, right. Um, Utah, eh, you know, they feel a little stale to me. Portland, I think people overhyped their summer a little bit. I still think they have the same flaws that they did, the same flaws generally. Um, Dallas is to me. They're the Warriors are probably most comparative to Dallas, where the trust that the Mavericks are going to be really good and the trust that the Warriors are going to be really good is solely reliant on the greatness of their singular force mm-hmm. Steph Curry with the Warriors Luka Doncic with the Mavericks right Do you, I mean I think a lot of people generally right now are being like oh Mavericks for sure are going to be better than the Warriors but it's like then then you're saying that Doncic in my opinion you're saying Doncic is going to be better than Steph okay you can maybe say that um but to me I think you know to to, to finish the answer I think they're just right in that meat and the, their best case scenario is they're a four or five seed worst case scenario Steph's not healthy Wiseman's not really ready Draymond kind of floats through the season looking declining and they might even be lottery so th- there's a wide variance to me yeah I, I think that's exactly that's exactly all right when you just look at last year's standings like the Rockets were the four seed Oklahoma City was a five seed Jazz were a six seed right I feel like you start looking at the rest of the West. The thing they have going for them is that it's not that incredible, right? I mean, the West is deep. They got a lot of teams, but they don't have a lot of great teams. Yeah, they have a lot of great teams. So there's there's two there's three ways it can go, right? I think at their their max, they're in that four. They're they're competing for that four or five spot, right? That's you know, if if there if everything goes well, like Slater said, and a lot of these questions are answered positively, they're with, you know, whoever you think is four or five seed, right? Dallas, Utah, you know, whoever you think will be there. I think they're in that mix. If it doesn't go quite well, then they're in that mix with, you know, who I, I think Phoenix and and you know, whoever you think might be fighting for the seven, eight seed, like it can go there. Or, you know, if Steph gets hurt or whatever, it could bottom out there in the lottery again, right? Uh, I, I don't think the regular season is really, like, I don't think they need to be the three seed. Like, just like we've been talking about, I think they're fine getting in the playoffs and scaring the daylights right. out of somebody, right? I think they're like, <laughs> you, you get, you get Steph and Draymond in the playoffs and you got to deal with, with dudes who won three championships. Right. And that's where it gets a little different. I think they're okay with that. Let's get in the playoffs and let's scare the daylights out of somebody. Just like Slater said, I think that's 
that's what they're thinking. But if if everything goes ideal, I could see. I mean, four just feels high. So I'm gonna go. Ideal would be five, and but I do think I'm thinking six, seven, eight. They'll be in that mix for six, seven, eight. That that's what, kind of what what, I see. What's in? What's interesting, and, and this is not just a Warriors thing, there's a really big difference between six and seven now this year. If you're seven, eight, right. you got to play nine, ten in this play in. Right, right, right and, right. and particularly in the West, you got to play nine, ten to even get in to a seed. And then most likely, if, if the standings go as we expect, you're playing one of the LA teams in round one. Right. You know, we probably are assuming it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, one, two. So if you got to six, you avoid the play in and you get like, you know, Warriors Denver in the first round, you know, Warriors Utah in the first round. Then they're dangerous. Then, you know, we were talking about earlier, get to the second round and see what happens. Then they're one of those teams that can do that. If they're seven, eight, which probably means they were somewhat disappointing. And they're probably going to play an LA team in round one if they even get there. Then it's probably a disappointing. Team. Yeah, and you don't, you probably don't want to be playing Phoenix in a playing game, right? I mean, you just don't like, you know, no, you know, because you know you got a guy that can get fifty, um, and now he's got some help. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to avoid seven at all costs. Um, well, gents, um, I'm gonna let. I know y'all got other stuff to tape, other podcasts to tape, more warrior centric podcast to take, plus minus. Listen to it. They are two of the best, Marcus and Anthony. Thank you, Waz, as always. Brothers, thank you for, for helping out. Leave that five-star review. We've got an offer for people toward the, for the end of the rest of this month. If you want to have a new subscription, you can gift someone a subscription. You go to theathletic.com slash holiday on your mobile device, not on the app, on your mobile device, and you can order a subscription and get one free to give to someone as a gift through the rest of this year calendar 2020 so do that leave us that five-star review and we'll see you next time appreciate it